0: Hey, it's Martin. Thanks for listening to Get Out of Rap. This is episode 97. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap. Today, I'm joined by Marianne Withers, and Marianne is the CEO of the Verity Centre. Marianne, thanks very much for coming on today. No,
1: thank you, Martin. It's an absolute pleasure. (laughs)
0: we've We've spoken about this for a while and in in the kind of um arranging it, I've got to know you a bit more. I think you're very well known in the industry, and our paths have crossed in the in the path, but past but not to the extent that we have had a chat and um one of the things you said just before we hit record was just how how good you're feeling and how energized you're feeling right now at the moment. why is that?
1: because I'm being me. Um, One thing that I found over the years is that people absolutely kind of love me for the special things that I could do. But then, because at times I can be a little bit excitable, well, extremely excitable, um, I don't know, Certain people were trying to kind of mould me. And the problem is, is if you try and mould people into what you want them to be, then at times you actually take away that very special thing and character that actually makes the person vibrant and good at what they do. Um, And sometimes... I. <laughs> I think it's a difficult one because I think, you know, someone, sometimes people want to change you. Actually, they're not right. It's because that's how they want you to be. And sometimes they want to dumb you down. And I was kind of brought up by my parents to be very um, thoughtful for everyone. You know, everyone's an individual and everyone's allowed to have a character. Um, and I think that's how it should be, and you should take that character and build on it and make people kind of develop them to be really special and kind of not try and hide them away and dumb them down at times
0: So in that in I, I, what a great opening I mean in that sense then what you're saying is this is really um, you're now being free to be completely who you are with you know without feeling like you have to turn down certain aspects of of that just to kind of um fit in how how has that journey progressed and what you know what is it about where you are right now that allows you to do that
1: um one is, is probably because I've got no one bossing me around. Well, (laughs) on the other hand, Marilyn bosses me around, but that's totally fine because she's my ops manager and she's absolutely wonderful. Um, And she comes up with great ideas. Um, I think it's just through the industry as you kind of move through. There are some amazing and fantastic people that I've worked with, but there's also challenges that I think that, as women, we we go through at, at, at times. Um, as a little side kind of thing, and someone's probably going to make a, a comment out of it because I don't play golf, you know? Uh,
0: yeah.
1: You know, it, there, there are just things that you know in the world today that everyone has challenges kind of with. And, you know, throughout my whole time of, of doing what I've done, some people have been fantastic. Other people have been not so fantastic. And you know, you also so get people out there who, when you are doing special things and people pay attention to it, it's weird how other people get jealous of that.
0: Yeah, well, that's a that's a, a bugbear of mine actually. That people can't, if you can't applaud other people's success, that then the next thing you should do is just move on rather than try and throw stones at throw stones at people it's it's a strange characteristic isn't it it's rather than working on yourself you want to sort of bring down others but I'm really interested in um so right now for example as a as a CEO of a up and coming what is it what would you class yourself as have I been rude there? oh you're not up and coming are you what (laughs) the verity center I mean kind of it's it's kind of burst on the scene um, from external, from a look, certainly LinkedIn point of view, very vibrant, very different. Um, it's great to see, hence me saying up and coming, but how long has it been? What's the, the journey been? How long has it actually been? It's,
1: it's kind of weird because it, it's, it's not that long. At, if we take it from the incorporation date, that's the 1st of March, which weirdly is St. David's Day I'm not sure how I did that, being Welsh, but it got incorporated <laughs> on the 1st of March. My non-executive director, the wonderful Darwin Jones, birthday's on the 1st of um, March as well, so that's amazing. Um, but, yeah, it happened quickly after I left uh, YCL. So I kind of left on the 12th of February, and in my head, I was going to kind of do consultancy. Um, and you know, it was Humphrey Davis, and I have thanked him, sent me um a message, and he basically kind of said to me, Marianne, what's your focus? I kind of went to bed that night going, What am I actually doing? So I set up um YCL and you know, it was boutique, it was under all the values or all the kind of culture that I wanted, and for five years it was absolutely great and I kind of went so I know you're nearly 57 but why don't you do it all again and that's so I I don't normally blame anyone but that's Humphrey's fault (laughs) but I love him for it because I woke up the next morning feeling like I don't know just a massive weight of being taken off my shoulders very excitable like the tiniest little Labrador puppy um, and kind of jumping around at home. My husband's like, what's kind of going on? And he went, oh, my God, you're up to something again. (laughs) Um, And so I set up uh, the Verity Centre. But I had a plan that was very specific and it was about I'm not going to be doing anything and I'm not going to put anything in until around the end of September. I'm not going to hire staff until around the beginning of August. So, my first thing is to start to try and build a brand and sort out offices, sort out infrastructure. And I'm really quite lucky, I think, is that I can basically set it all up and not have a worry and just have the right people to work with. So um, I will do a biggie for support on the spot it would being wonderful of my uh, infrastructure, um, IT company. And or, and but what you need to, uh, I think we look at is what you saw is that I just started dripping, drip, well, dripping information. And one of the things is, is, I've never done social in my life. Well, I started using Facebook about four years ago because a marketing person said to me marianne for God's sake, can you just start using facebook and so i thought right okay but i started all my telemarketing in golly slater in cardiff that were pr advertising marketing so on the telemarketing side everything we did was full end-to-end marketing projects And so you were taught very clearly the understanding of the power of marketing and why the marketing angle is the most important thing of what you're actually doing. So I'm the biggest sponge in the world and just will listen and learn constantly. And I was like, well, this is new to learn, right, social. What can we do? And then I started speaking to people. Um, Biggie to Marilyn, again, my ops manager. She, I know this guy is really silly, but her dog, Dexter, who you've seen now and again. um, I have, yeah. Yeah. um, He's got two and a half thousand, probably more now, two and a half thousand followers on um, Instagram, (laughs) more on Facebook. And so from a just very natural, general knowledge of how the whole social works to be able to build that up, she started going through is with me and so the whole concept has been about drip feeding information getting people to understand because i might be known but the verity center wasn't known and what i wanted to do which we really missed the trick early on in ycl because we had one big client at the beginning is we didn't do any brand or mm. um did nothing to do with that so i wanted to be the complete opposite mm. and go there's our brand this is the meaning of it um the website everything that's written on there at the moment was written by me not a, a website yeah. company or yeah. a marketing company and it's meant from i don't know some people might go oh you know it's a bit sicky and all that but it's meant from the heart of how passionate I am about whether it's inbound, outbound, email, SMS, live chat, but about communication being done correctly and being done respectfully, that you're really engaging customers. So again, yeah. So lots of lots and lots of just getting out there and going, we're here. Hello. (laughs) Please speak to us and, You know, how do you tell people? I mean, no one's unique. I mean, there are some unique people in the whole, but no one's unique. But what we said is we're positively different, which I, what I believe we are. And the clients that we've got and have worked with so far, I think will tell you that we are the way we work with them, but how we add value and our knowledge to help them with their whole approach, everything. So, yeah, that's kind of, there was lots of juggling and buildings and photographs of empty buildings. And and then when they started painting it and putting furniture in and just wanted kind of people to be part of that journey. And then 1st of August, well, I needed to find some staff. And so on the 29th of June, I put all my adverts out all over social, every social you could think of, um, because part of my agreement was that I wouldn't go after any people. So it's just like, well, I won't, absolutely, because my integrity matters more than anything, and so I will hold to that. But I put all my adverts out on social, (laughs) and I had quite a lot of applications. Um, So people who worked for me in the past, uh, Marilyn and Shawnee and Craig, um all applied immediately and started on the 1st of august
0: that's great and it's testament to who you are as a person but also i think why we love this industry right because it is it is about people and especially authentic uh, people i would say as a interested observer of seeing your your stuff out there that's the kind of word that comes springs to mind that it's very authentic it's very engaging and I would also say, I, I really admire um, the kind of, I love the way that you will set out. It's quite brave to say, I, I want to get, for example, the Verity Center's LinkedIn account up to this many by the first and, and just put it out there. And is that, is that something that's important to you, this kind of chasing of targets and goals? Is you, have you always been motivated <laughs> that way or?
1: <laughs> Ridiculously. Um- I I kind of, oh, I was born from parents, and my father was um, a rugby, uh, number nine. And um, I went to my first rugby international when I was 18 months old, uh, which was Wales and France. And uh, Wales, of course, did win at that time. And my dad was a metallurgist, chemist in the steelworks, and he wanted boys, and he had two girls. So... I kind of, um, my first birthday present was a rugby ball.
0: Yeah, brilliant.
1: Yeah, second was a cricket bat, and the third was um, table football. So I kind of had no chance when I was kind of that small. But, of course, I grew up on the fact of I I played every sport you can think of. Yeah. Um, I had every injury you could think of. Uh, Luckily, all my injuries were in school, Otherwise, my mum and dad would have been done by the <laughs> yeah. because yeah. they just get calls after calls. Yeah, Marianne's gone to hospital again. It'd just be like... But, yeah, it made me extremely competitive. Down to, oh, my God, when our daughter, Orlando, was young and I used to play games with her, I, I still would have to win. Yeah. And I'd just be like, no, I'm really sorry, but I am teaching you something in life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I um, love watching sport, doing sport. Um, I did contemporary dance and trained in the Sherman Theatre. Wow, uh, I, you could have um,
0: given me some tips then on the the dad's dancing group that I was in.
1: I oh, could have. I think you were doing a bloody good job of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it looked wonderful. Um, it's it's fun, isn't it?
0: It's. Do you know what? Um, more power to the to my girls for. What they do, I always thought they were brilliant. But then, just so our routine was only uh, two minutes, fifteen seconds long, and we rehearsed once a week for an hour and a half for thirteen weeks, and still, I, I'm amazed how we we did make a few errors, of course, on the night. But uh, we we performed twice. But I'm just amazed at how people can do that. Challenged me beyond belief, just for one two-minute routine some of the, the girls on average do about four or five I just don't know how they do it and it's physically was very demanding you know even the warm-up at the end of it we're just all kind of dads in our 40s and a little bit younger but we were and we played football so we thought yeah we'll 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 breeze this this will be fine a bit complacent at the end of the warm-up and it wasn't even as bad a warm-up as the girls do I was gasping and I thought oh my god We haven't even started yet.
1: (laughs) It's, um, a dance is absolutely wonderful. As I said, I did contemporary and I remember doing cabaret on stage. And if you've seen the film Cabaret, there's um, a a very special dance sequence with chairs and oh my God, that is probably the hardest one that I ever did. Um, And, you know, it was like practicing about a hundred times so you you just go home when you get out of there you're still all very yeah Yeah. and absolutely brilliant and then you get home and just fall on the floor (laughs) (laughs) in pain and yeah no one said it's really funny because you know sport is done supposedly to keep you fit and Mm. all these wonderful things so i've had two cartilage operations oh really my left knee yeah and my right knee's buggered up as as well so it's wonderful absolutely invigorating and gorgeous um but yeah it's not really good for your knees and your ankles
0: I know but you wouldn't change it would you I mean I'm I'm just a huge I I played football yesterday I'm by far the oldest one out (laughs) there and um Bev, my wife said to me last night because I was I was struggling to load the washing machine like just everything was hurting everything was creaking not in the washing machine in my body <laughs> and um she said oh best you give football on Thursday a miss then and I said no nah, I'll be all right no. she said you'll play with one leg wouldn't you and I said whilst I can yeah just you know I just you know what it's like there's that freedom and that you and the feeling you get from sport is just uh, incomparable
1: well, I rowed. Um, after doing contemporary dance for a number of years, I decided to get into rowing.
0: Wow, that's a tough sport.
1: Oh uh, yeah, but oh, one for making you feel free. It, it's absolutely brilliant. So I used to, this is when I worked for the council, um, and I used to go in early because we had flexi time. Yeah. So I could leave early because I needed to be on the river at half five. And So three nights a week we did the river. Um, Two nights a week circuit training and basketball. And then a Sunday on the river as well. Wow. And, but if you, I was um, the stroke of a four person team. um, And that's really cool because, again, my leadership skills were back then. I had to be the stroke of course. Um, But, get a skull and go out on your own. Oh my God, it's, that feeling, um, and all you do is slightly feather your oars, and you're just skimming the top of the water, is just amazing feeling.
0: There's some there's some threads going through this, isn't there? Just that kind of competitiveness, freedom. Um, in terms of you know, you now CEO running a successful business, for, but the challenges you, you faced, um, I absolutely could get that whole thing about if you're producing good results people go yeah that's great but we still want you to change this change that change this about yourself and now you don't have to do that but what what lessons have you learned that you would want to share especially I guess with um, young women about kind of getting to your your position because unfortunately they do have it tougher don't they yeah yes they do and you
1: know I have over the years um actually been the one who is supported blokes a lot of a lot of times and you know I, I've kind of stood up for them it's through difficulties when you you know you have kind of things that's on press and all that and and I kind of go don't tie them all with the same yeah. brush you know because there's a massive thing at the moment that young girls are, are really quite um, scared of, like, um, white, 56-year-old English blokes. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's because of the way they think they look at them, the way they treat. And, and you know, I, I've had many conversations with my daughter about it because I said, weirdly, my husband is a 50-year-old white man. Yeah. And, you know you kind of look at it and go they're not all like it and so over the years I've always supported massively um and seen you know the way the market has grown and changed from you know the 70s to the 80s to 90s. however there are quite a lot of folks still out there that I want to go it's 2022 yeah um, and as, as the whole kind of equality thing is exactly the same. I'm, I'm kind of not putting women over yeah. you know, the, the whole diversity thing at all, because I think it's that whole thing that needs to look at. Um, and the difficulty is, I think, that people are not sure, um, and they're not sure whether actually people are being real about it or, or, or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I know my daughter, who's what, 25, and she gets, I mean, she, she's very pretty. And it's not just me saying that. Over the years, I've had a lot of people tell me she's very pretty, which has always petrified me, because I'm just like, can you not look at my daughter like that? Mm. Um, but she gets concerned when she walks down the road because of comments made and that type of thing. And you really think that it should change. So I think women do have it difficult i think um there are some amazing men out there who are very very supportive uh but i think there is still from a certain segment quite a hierarchical culture there still um and that's at times women should know their place and that's sad
0: it is very, and I think something you said earlier really um, resonated m- with me, which is when women display certain behaviours and characteristics, they get labelled differently than when men are men are displaying them, especially uh, just in a, in a business sense. You know, so if you're outgoing and gregarious and very competitive, I imagine you receive different labels and were perceived differently from a man who had exactly the same. Um, characteristics it's it's strange that sometimes the behaviors that men want to see in leaders in other men they find uncomfortable when they see it in in women and for me that just seems like insanity I just don't get it.
1: No and I think it's to do with um, is strength and and kind of control and the thing is is that you know for my side of it The only thing that I've ever wanted is to get things completely right for other people, help develop people. And for my leadership, it's to do with mentoring and seeing everyone else really shine. Mm. I mean, you know, one of the things I've put out on LinkedIn quite a lot, my team inspire me to be better. and. They do, they, they get me thinking. Uh, they always have done. One of them, surely, I've worked with since, oh my God, if I say over 20 years, so this is the third company, it makes us sound that we are definitely all getting old. <laughs> but, you know, we, we have a very childlike look on everything. Um, <laughs> because, I don't know, life can be tough for a lot of people and what you want to do is make the best for everyone um and if you can help them especially in a work environment to have an absolutely great environment sometimes for people escape to work is actually an amazing thing because you know people do have challenges outside so if they can come to work and absolutely adore and love where they are and feel really part of the team, the company and what you're doing, you know, it, it is such an adorable thing to be able to offer people. And also everyone. Um. So, you know, we all go on about values in companies and that, and everyone has, you know, their values on the website and they're all the same, you know, about being passionate and all of those type of things. And, you know, I have put values on there, but they come out of the name Verity. um, Because Verity means truth and principled, which I thought was perfect why I chose the name, but the Y in Verity means yourself. Um, And it is one thing, you know, Whoever you are, wherever you're from, just be yourself. And other people should allow you to be that. If you are gregarious and you're loud, enjoy it. If you're doing something that is wrong and hurting other people, that's completely different. Yeah. But, you know, I I remember going to a board meeting. Um, It was in the last company. And I remember sitting in there. for the first number of times they didn't talk to me at all and one of the people didn't even look at me (laughs) and we kind of went out there and one of their finance people um um this lady and i and she's really lovely um she apologized to me and i said why are you apologizing to me she said well my boss was so rude he wouldn't even look at you in it and i and i went i said look Don't worry. I said, it's his problem, not mine. Mm. I said, you know, we'll we'll get to overcome that. And we did get to overcome that. But again, I had to very carefully look how I had to act in certain circumstances for them to pay any attention. Because one of the things that is always very difficult for women, and we do tend to do it, I'll put my hands up completely. So we do like to chatter a bit and might speak a little bit too much. Um, And then, of course, in certain situations, um, men don't like women talking too much. And that's a challenge. But again, you know, as I said, I've, I've always been in great support there. And there are absolutely amazing blokes out there, hands up to my husband, put up with me for 35 years, so <laughs> that's going to be quite good. Um, so yeah, it's sad, and, and it is getting getting better, but it is still so much there, um, and I think it's in certain industries a little bit more than other industries. Yeah. Well, it, we can only any, work to change it.
0: We can, and I think the point there is really valid, it's about individuals. Any, any generalisation of any person based on characteristics or you know how they look shared with others is it is is wrong you know absolutely you know to your point around um people can without knowing someone if you lump them into any group and assign what perceptions and characteristics to them without knowing them then that's that's inherently wrong but it's great to it's great for passionate people like yourself at this at the top of their game in our industry I think can only help others realize that if you it, it's there for everyone you know we've and if we can make it a fair playing field then great but it, it is possible isn't it
1: yeah absolutely and you know I've seen situations in some companies where young girls have been not treated. Correctly, um, uh, lots of flirtatious stuff and all that. And sometimes people think it's banter, the problem is, is you never understand what that person's actually feeling inside, mm. and you know, you, you have to be really kind of careful, you know. And then sometimes situations get a little bit, I don't know. Going down the wrong way, and people are very silly how they act at times and you know you have to understand it um you know a twenty year old or twenty one year old girl you know you just need to be careful if they don't go home and and what are they thinking? you may think it's banter, but
0: it, it it's exactly yeah I don't, it, it,
1: it, I don't it think is it's a difficult one and
0: I don't think it's much to ask for us as humans to be sensitive of other people's feelings because that's really all it is, is being sensitive to others, isn't it?
1: I agree I agree with you completely, but do you know I've heard people's conversations uh, at times, and you probably have as well, and I've heard, to be honest, I've heard it from women and men, um, which is basically, well, I have the right for my opinion and I'll say what I want, and I kind of go... Oh, my God.
0: Yeah.
1: But think of others.
0: Yeah. That doesn't give you carte blanche to say hurtful things. Yeah. This kind of, um, it's a very, very strange and nuanced kind of argument, isn't it? But this thing about, I have a right to say what I want. Well, yeah, but should it be hurtful? There's a way of making points without being hurtful. and, And there's, like you say, banter. Has become a bit of a catch-all as well for, for everything else, isn't it? So that, but I do like you, I do think we're, we're getting there. I just want to talk about now, really your, what's exciting you about the the market at the moment, the industry. Yeah, I can see uh, the Verity Centre doing a lot of work around outbound and, and things like that. What's, is that kind of, what's got you really excited at the moment?
1: Um, Outbound's got me excited um, for (laughs) a long, long, long time. And I think from the first time I joined Golly Slater, um, I think basically because no one can see you. I mean, it's the same with inbound as well, but it's not. It's the point of being able to talk to someone and... Be very open and honest and respectful in your communication is amazing what you could do. So I've always thought it was a complete art, art form. You know, I have to thank Wendy Bailey of Golly Slater. I'm um, very sad that she's not around anymore. But, I mean, she used to work for the Thompson Group and used to get sent all over America to set up all their teddy sales um, centres. And... Uh, she then became the MD um, of Golly Slater Telephone Marketing, as well as two of the other companies. But I just learned from her what an art form that actually outbound can be, and that it, it it's it's not just the fact of power of it; it's that you bring two people to communicate. And if you've got a co- a company out there that is having an awful lot of issues according to, you know, their inbound, their digital's not working that great. So it's increasing the amount of inbound they come in, or much better, insurance, where they take you on, then pay no attention to you until they want you renewed. Um, outbound, but it's also the strategy of outbound, of what you can put in place throughout that kind of contact strategy. To engage people, to actually make them feel as though they're part of, of a company, so that's why in these sessions, webinars that we're going to be doing, um, we're talking about sales first, then service, um, then retention, and then collections, and then there's going to be we're going to mop it all up. But it's about bringing out to companies, you know, the companies out there who stop doing outbound completely because they're scared of it but they're scared of it because of their perception of what they see in the marketplace. Um, We all know the calls that we receive at home and they are quite hideous at times. And I get very upset when I get calls like that because I listen to it and they don't explain who they are properly and you have to muffle. And then they say something, I say, what are you actually calling me about? And then they go, oh, well, it's not sales, but it's like, well, it is actually sales. So, you know, and I'm not saying there aren't good companies out there. There are some good companies. But in the industry, and why now, more than anything, is, one, I've met some people out in the marketplace that I'm very aligned to in our thoughts and kind of what we would like to do. But also because I think... The timing of it is perfect from the fact of customer experience being at such a low. And companies, I'm a great tech head. I've had an inner geek in me from when I was tiny. I probably would have liked to have been an engineer or something like that. So I believe in the tech element, absolutely. And a certain percentage should be bots, email you. You go through the whole linear thing down to the fact of, You know, so you have a small amount who can do more specialist in and outgoing calls. But the difficulty is, is that companies are losing out massively, either because they're not doing it at all. Or when they are doing it, they're doing it not that well. And, you know, if they could utilise outbound in the right way, they would re-engage their customers that they're losing massively because such a focus is being put on digital and tech everything but the difficulty is they're doing it because they want to turn everyone to that because they want to decrease their contact centres and the fact is that tech doesn't always work so it's increasing the number of calls to the contact centres so there's a lot more white noise going around but then companies are complaining they're having too much white noise, but not actually sorting out their tech element. So what we're trying to do is kind of fight our way through to be able to say, you need to relook look at your strategy and see how Outbound can actually fit into it as um, a supportive element. Um, I took um, an insurance company and re-looked at completely their contact strategy and brought in a lot more outbound from the new business to the retention uh, element but the retention throughout the whole journey and we increased revenue by 15 percent.
0: yeah that's great well my do you know what i i mean you're preaching to the converted my my background when i very first started in this industry of ours was as a outbound agent um selling stationery to business to business. And then I stayed in outbound really until about 10 years ago. And that included do, running outbound in um, Istanbul in, in Turkey as well. So I'm, I'm a great believer in that if it's done correctly, it, it, it absolutely can add to the customer experience completely.
1: Don't you think in the industry at the moment, and this is kind of the conversations I've had with a number of people, if I went back to probably uh, early 2000s, up to the kind of 2006, seven or around, around there, there was a lot of knowledge out there to do with Outbound. Um, mm. who took someone like The Listening Company yeah. and we spent a lot of time developing absolutely massive mentoring um, and developing of people in the knowledge of all elements of it you know whether it was recruitment or education or you know the dialer the data segmentation you know, going oh. through everything of really giving that knowledge and i kind of I meet, meet people out there now and i kind of talk to people a lot of stuff seems to be more self-educated and opinion of what should be. So as an example will be, you know, this, well, I know so many companies um, have made kind of, or complained about the factors that, you know, their teams are just burning through data massively. And you kind of have a look at it and go in, but why? you know, looking at it, your quality, your compliance, your listening yeah. to calls, your um, training and your coaching, if all of these are in place. But people are being very opinionated. And also, we seem to have slightly lost the art of being able to sell um, from the fact of, I remember, and, and I'm not saying you should give cold data to people all the time. I mean, digital leads really important you know, will be a very important part of a contact structure to do with data pyramids and being able to blend data to actually make it more efficient and more effective for people. But I remember, you know, we used to work on the fact of, you know, you've never spoken to that person. So it doesn't matter which lead it is you would do an absolutely amazing call and your art was to influence that person to change their mind and make a decision on things now agents are working on the fact of all oh, the data's crap because I, I i want a lead that is going to say yes and it's like well that's not life
0: yeah and
1: yeah. you know again if you could produce and absolutely perfect leads, and go right, well, okay, make this outbound call cool. because that person's very interested. How many leads would we have to actually give people? Because even digital leads, it's about recontacting them, getting hold of them. Um, you know, I spoke to someone the other day, and they were looking at a contact rate of about one in 40. And that is on very high-paid digital leads. Yeah. So, you know, even then, not easy. So where's the art form back about training people to be able to overcome objections or actually do proper structured selling? And
0: so as you li- see, you know, I go on
1: and on, and I apologise. Oh, I'm just passionate I, about it.
0: I love it. And I think about, like you, what it was the best training ground for me the, my team leaders the agents yes it's tough it is you can't deny it is it is tough you we we did some great analysis once of uh, our top agent she was amazing amazing um and was well known in the whole company not just outbound as being brilliant and we looked at her stats over the year and just we did this to be able to share with other departments really um, just how, because, you know, there were some negative perceptions about, of the outbound teams, but we shared this lady, Sarah, um, had had, you know, 10,000 she'd spoken to like 15,000 customers in the year Some it was thousands, it was a crazy number um, had got to the point of pitching something and then been rejected and we used it to put this presentation together to say You know, outbound is a a job where you go to work knowing no matter how good you are, you're going to get 90 percent of your activities going to result in rejection. And how amazing are you as a person that you can deal with that with a smile on your face? You can take it on as learning. You can, you know, as a as a management team like you just mentioned then we'd be getting into looking at abandonment rates okay what's our core cool decision tree and how many what are our redial rules and what what can we do to make things better how do we coach people to be better and it was so so progressive and actually we were passionate about the services we were selling we believed that they added real value to customers and at a time even back then where everyone's inundated with information customers were missing out sometimes on the value add stuff that's free with their bank accounts or whatever it may be and your call was an attempt to give them more information to make a, a new purchase that would make their life better and it was just it was just a fantastic period like you say that early 2000s i think where yeah.
1: and that's where we that's where i think that we're falling out is it's, it's team manager and operations manager's level honestly i i met number of operations manager in 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 quite a a few organizations and i find it quite scary their lack of knowledge of a lot of things it it all seems to be driven on the outbound side of the fact is that you know give my team all the best leads you can and then we'll be able to convert them and i'm kind of like yeah that's not how how it works what i wanted to because i always I set up a centre in Cardiff and we went from um, zero to 180 within eight months. And that was for... um, Half of it was kitchen appliance cover and the rest of it was uh, energy sales. It was for British Gas in in Cardiff, which is weird because they have a centre in Cardiff. Um, But I used to consult for that, so it was kind of handy. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we what we kind of put in there and what we trained the guys to be able to achieve what they need is, you know, we we took all the elements of the data side and, you know, the coaching side. But I I had this discussion with one of the team managers who joined us and he came from an insurance company. And all he would do was silent monitor. And I kind of went, why wouldn't you do side-by-side coaching? I said, I would expect you know, at least fifty to sixty percent side by side coaching of your people. And he went, oh, I don't, I, I, don't agree with it. It doesn't work. So basically, um, you know, if I sit by them, then they put on an act. And I just spoke to him. I went, you're just not getting it, are you? <laughs> yeah. I said, the whole concept of coaching is about giving that person that one on one attention. And I went, do me a favor for one week, stop silent monitoring and just do, just do coaching side by side. I said, after that, if it hasn't worked,
0: I'll that kind is. of go, yeah, all right then.
1: So after a week, he asked to see me, because um, I was a contractor consultant there. And kind of went to me went, can I take you out for a pint? <laughs> all right that's a good one yes of course he went. can I also say I'm really really sorry he's and I said so what was the difference he went that one-on-one attention as though they I was showing I actually cared for them and I kind of went now you're getting it
0: there you go love it
1: but that's it again is th- this is the point is it all seems to be a little bit too opinionated on getting sales on a board, not the underlying thing that I always learned, which is you want them as a customer in a year's time, two years time, three years time. I, I wrote, um, or built a model for, um, Swiss Re, um, because they were wanting to test a kind of um, all little different outbound campaigns. And when you actually build a financial model to do with insurance, oh my God, I should have uh, set up an insurance company because how much money you make after five years, or how much <laughs> yeah. money you make after yeah. 10 years. And that is the part, when you're educating people to do with outbound, Mm. you need to be taking them through the whole marketing approach and why someone being with a company for five years as a customer compared to a year how much difference does it actually make so i'm kind of going in and playing an awful lot on this stop calling it training educate your people
0: yeah and what better place to do it than outbound it worked for for me and for a lot of other people there were so many lessons learned and um great behave great practices that you could we used to have a thing around um we did we did outbound for a lot of store cards so it was banks that had retail cards so different re, you know different shops and yep. our teams we would say we had quite a few like data haters we called them <laughs> which was um a data hater always put it down to the data as to why they weren't performing. Yeah. What was interesting, and it was just a very quick exercise we did across this floor of like 200 agents. Different teams had different brands that they were absolutely convinced just couldn't perform. So when the when the lead popped onto their screen, the first thing, the first field they would look at was the store name, and then that determined how they did the call it really did we could listen to it and we could hear them um and we all we did was just kind of show them some analysis show them the numbers and actually got the teams to talk to each other so one team said oh I absolutely hate I'll use Woolworths uh, I absolutely hate Woolworths and another one we were like oh we love Woolworths we hate blockbusters and we're like oh no we hate blockbusters we love you know and it was right here's the numbers guys and the differences between the conversion rates were negligible you know there was nothing and it was all about perception and what we spoke to them about was that kind of being able to deliver your best at every opportunity regardless of self-fulfilling prophecies around oh I don't convert these because they either it's a store or it's where they live in the UK or their age or or something like that yeah. and it's all a nonsense it really is but just that exercise alone stuck with me just around helping people coaching them to be put all of those kind of fears aside and deliver your best regardless of going oh well and it, you know you go back to sport right it'll be I coach a girls' football team now one of the things we'll say is it doesn't matter who the opposition are we just try and banish those kind of comments that people make about oh we won't beat these why not you know that kind of before we've even started or before you've even conducted your outbound call why are you limiting yourself straight away oh I'll never convert these
1: but it's perception isn't it and yeah to be honest it's probably people's biggest downfall is to have perception um when i used to i never thought anything when i went in a call it was just Right? It, it, it's a, it's another one. And um, my, the thing is, is, I used to play games yeah. with the fact of how I could get around. And I always remember, because my favourite one, I spoke to a financial director. Got it One, he was very angry that his PA had let me through. Uh, and and he did comment at the end. He went, we must have been good to get through there. Um, but I kind of talked to him, and he first ranted at me and said, this is such an awful thing that's been brought in from America. So you can see it was quite a while ago. And I don't know, and I just kind of listened to him and I let him rant. And then I went, okay. I said, could you do me a favor? (laughs) And he kind of went, well, what's that? I went, if I could give you something that would be very valuable Um, financially effective for your company and that would make you look really good in your CEO's eyes, you'd be interested, wouldn't you? And he went, well, yeah, of course I would be. I went, so let me talk to you. Um, And yeah, I made the appointment. And at the end, he just said to me, he he said, it's because you had the balls to say it. He said, you said you were so polite and so nice yeah, and, yeah. and empathy. And I said, yeah, I said, that's the biggest problems in people's mindset is they wouldn't say it. I find it all a percentage breakdown. Yeah. And you, you kind of have a look at it and go, I've got 10 people that all say to me, no, I'm, I'm, well, I'm not interested. And you see how many people these days just go, yeah, okay, and, and just go. Have a, may I ask, why are you are not interested? Yeah. So if you say it at all 10, you still might get four out of that who go, bog off, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. But you've got six that will continue talking to you. So it is all a percentage breakdown according to what you say. And I always used to laugh. I used to say, if I said it with the right tone and inflection, if I went blah, 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 so you'd like to go ahead with that, I probably could get someone to do it. <laughs> yeah. and it, it's it is it's, it's the whole and that's why i say it's a very much an art form yeah. and i used to play around with it all the time and my favorite because i sold advertising space and i would actually tell people while i was on the phone to them close your eyes and then they they go kind of well but i'm on the phone to you. and i went no it's not the point just bear with me work with me on this like Close your eyes, and, and then I just be like, So I'm envisaging probably for a credit card size advert. Your logo got looking good in the top left hand corner, and they go, Oh, no, no, top right. It's like,
0: sale. Yeah, right.
1: yeah, I love that. And this is what I want taught again. Mm. Is the real art form of being able to have that communication mm. and being able to influence a decision and take someone down a journey?
0: Yeah, I have some fun with it as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, oh my god,
1: how many times did you? I used to love doing this with the teams of getting them to drop words in, to, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, all they kinds have, of different well, bingo games we'd do so. <laughs> You'd have to get what one was
1: of the favorite words that you used to get people to say
0: one. I don't know how this guy did it. And he maybe we were pushing the edges a little bit here, but he got in monkey tennis. And um, I don't I don't know how he how he got the phrase in. I think he referenced Alan Partridge, some TV show where he said, Oh, did you watch Alan Partridge? And they were talking about a TV show with monkeys playing tennis. And everyone was just like, Yeah, he did it. You know, that kind of having fun with um. Phrases we used to make up all kind of bingo cards that we'd put on people's desks and all sorts. Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah. My my favourite one was, I mean you could do it, but pterodactyl. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. check that in or the typhanosaurus tracks. They go, well we could say the word T Rex. No, you've got to say yeah. the whole thing.
0: Yeah, that's um, brilliant.
1: But hey, it, it was what you call it. It was great fun. Yeah, and. It seems to be in places that I've seen that it's become a chore. And where's the, I mean, okay, my old, (laughs) one of my old bosses, uh, Neville Upton, um, (laughs) used to say that I used to incite the the, the team. So I ran Portsmouth um, site. And when I got there, we had about what, 550 um, people on there. And at the end of the month, I used to go, right, we'll get them and talk to all of them. And they go, oh, well, we'll the stages, or no, no, no staging. I'm going to stand on the windowsill and just talk to the teams. And the thing is, is because I get very excitable, I can actually really kind of, yay, come on, get everyone very excited, everything. And Neville just used to stand there and just go,
0: Oh, I'm going to say no wonder
1: that at times that I might annoy some men around because being, and, and the thing is, is that um, I've I worked in a company down in Devon. I went and did a consultancy there and actually one of the non-executive directors of the listening company was one of their board directors, which he, he came to me and said, can you do this consultancy? Did it all. And then he said, well, now you've done all that. Can you come and do it all? Um, and I moved mean, all my family down kind of to Devon. And after it was a, a couple of years, um, and so we had field sales and we had um, all internal sales, customer service. And I had to do this presentation to, uh, I was like 55 people in it. And first of all, the sales director. So I was head of sales and service. So the sales director... He did his um, pitch first, because even though I was head of sales and service, I reported to the ops director, not him. He did it, had lots and lots of slides, lots of pictures, and actually went through and discussed every single slide in detail. Uh, And kind of like, I'm kind of sleeping (laughs) now, but it's okay. So I, yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. I was up next, and I had four slides. On three of them, there was one word.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: On the fourth one, there were three words that were about financial ROI and yes. Um, and I just stood up and just passionately just talked to them all and actually go and go into how brilliant we've done and everything. And this is what we made. Yay, great. And all this. And at the end of it, all 55 people stood up. It's like,
0: yeah!
1: yeah. And on the way out, my ops director took me aside and went, If you ever do that again, I am, he said, you, you are in big trouble. And I went, Are you joking? I went, Your sales director, who was the most boring person in the world that everyone was slept for. I said, Mine, I get a standing ovation. And now I get told off for it. And he just went, okay, maybe put just a little more slides together, just a little bit more information.
0: No, I'm with I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't want to be bored to death by PowerPoint. I want to just no. hear someone passionate talking about what they love and what they can do. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marianne, this has been awesome. Um, what is there any sort of final message you want to leave people that are listening with?
1: One, always be yourself, okay? And you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And that is really important. Um, I could have just sat back last year and did consultancy, but no, I wanted to do this, that mental art. And what's more important, I wanted to hire people and be able to give people jobs and then help them develop, both personally and in work. So yeah, you can do absolutely everything. And can I kind of go, and please talk to the parity Centre.
0: Yes, of course. Because <laughs> we're amazing. <laughs> Marianne, this has been brilliant. Thanks so much. And I'm sure there will be people wanting to talk to you after after listening to this. So thanks very much for coming on and sharing everything. It's been great.
1: No, thank you, Martin. And uh, if we organise to meet at times, and we'll do some dancing?
0: <laughs> yeah, we, Yeah, let's do it. You can <laughs> give me some tips.
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. If you haven't already, please do rate, review and subscribe. See you next time.